Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm Morris O'Keefe and welcome to this week's podcast. The historical background and the inhabitants who once lived on Scattery Island. There are many islands along the west coast of Ireland and Scattery Island is situated in the mouth of the Shannon River. It has a long rich history and it stretches back to the 6th century when the cult of St. Senan built a monastery on the island. The Vikings settled there in the 9th century and then down through the years it became ecclesiastical seat of learning. It has five churches and a round tower on the island and in the 19th century, the island became home to river pilots and their families, and they remained there until the last resident left in the 1970s. This podcast will examine the way life was on the island, but first we look back at its early history. These early Irish saints, uh, they, they travelled mainly by, by water. Padraig O'Croghor is a local historian from North Kerry, and he talks about the early settlers who settled on Scattery Island. St. Sinan, St. Lockton, St. Brendan, uh, you know, they were great, they were, they were all connected with, with islands in one way or another. Uh, St. Sinan himself, of course, you have the cult of St. Sinan on Ilan Channing in the, in the Maharese, uh, back as far as the Blasket Island, uh, and across the Scattery Island. Opposite Scattery Island, in the mouth of the Shannon, is Carrig Island, where there was an early Christian settlement connected to St. Sinan. And it's from there, Padraig O'Cruhur tells us about the legend of St. Sinan. We're in the northeast side of the island. That's right, and uh, <coughs> we're looking at a sort of spit of gravel here in front of us, leading out into the Shannon. Uh, and that's called St. Sinan's Road. And as you can see, it's still being used as a road because at the moment there's a tractor and trailer driving along it uh, where the men are going out to uh, take in some of the oysters uh, which are being grown here uh, along the banks of Carrick Island. Uh, and uh, that is supposed to be part of a road that St. Sinan was building between North Kerry uh, and Scattery Island uh, off Kilrush uh, in Ishkahig uh, in Irish where, of course, he had his main monastery. And the story goes that uh, St. Sinan and his monks were building this road. Uh, and why they stopped was a lady came along and she said, uh, that's a fine road that you're building, or what's that effect? And she never said, God bless the work, or bala yer nobber, and she went away. And I suppose St. Sinan got to thinking after that, and when she was gone, and he stopped the work because he saw that God's blessing wasn't with it. But anyway, St. Sinan was supposed to be living above in Tarbans, in Tarbert, and he got the idea that he'd like to be a hermit uh, on this island, on the Shannon. And he had a great devotion uh, to Raphael, the archangel, and he prayed to 
St. Raphael to take him from Tarmans to the island in the Shannon. And he was standing on a flat slab of rock when he was kneeling, I suppose, on a flat slab of rock when he was making this prayer. Uh, and all of a sudden, the flat slab of rock rose up into the air uh, and took St. Sinan right across the Shannon uh, to Inishkaik, to Scattery Island. And, and that, uh, that flat rock is still there, like, like Sinan on Inishkaik. And uh, when he got to Inishkaik, the angel or the archangel said well he said you don't look a bit happy after you're getting your wish uh, and he said no well he said I left my bell after me in Tarmans you know he had one of these bells like St. Patrick's bell a handbell uh, and uh, the, the archangel the next thing was the bell came flying through the air to join St. Sinan uh, on the island uh, and the angel said the archangel said I hope you're I hope you're happy now um, of course, before he could settle in the island, you know, it, the, the, the Irish name for Scattery Island is Inish Cahig, and the Cahog was a sort of a sea serpent, uh, and he had to drive the sea serpent off the island before he could, before he could um, build his monastery there. And again, he had to call and help from this very patient archangel uh, to help him to drive the monster off the island, but he, he obviously did so at any rate, because he founded his monastery there, and the, the ruins of... of a later monastery, obviously not St. Simon's original one, are still there. Uh, what are called the seven churches of, of Scattery, like the seven churches of Clan MacNice. Of course, there are never seven. They, they, they just picked on seven because it was a, a holy number. Uh, and the round tower, which we'll be able to see uh, when we go around to the other side of the, the island here. And even though Scattery Island was situated quite near Kilrush on the Clare side, there were many links with the North Kerry side down through the centuries. Um, I should say as well, I suppose, that there are other links b- between uh, uh, Scattery Island and, uh, and North Kerry. Uh, for example, a number uh, of members of the O'Connor Kerry, the O'Crohor from Carrigafile Castle, uh, here behind us, uh, are buried uh, on Inishkahig. And back in the, the 14th century, there was um, a Dermot O'Crohor, and um, he, actually, he actually caused his brother to be killed. Uh, so that he could get the chieftainship and I presume he confessed this sin to his confessor uh, and the confessor said that he had to go uh, to to live on in, on Scattery Island and fast there for such a length of time to expiate his sin and uh, <laughs> The seal of the confessional mustn't have been uh, as sacred as we would regard it because uh, he was being rowed across uh, to Scattery Island and um, the boatman apparently threw him overboard and drowned him for what he had, what he had done to his brother. Yeah. So uh, he, he expiated his sin in a, a different manner to the, the way in, in which he intended. Um, another connection between this area and uh, Scattery Island is that it, it actually was twice... Uh, brought into the parish of, of Ballylongford or Ahawalan as it was at the time uh, once back again in the, the 14th century when we read in the, in the annals that it was placed in the charge of the then uh, vicar of Ahawalan uh, he, he, was, he also had charge of, uh, of uh, Scattery Island of the uh, Holy Archangels as it was called in, that was in Latin and then later on again in the 1700s um, the Bishop of Limerick for some reason sailed down to Scattery Island and uh, he was he was so horrified at the fact that the people on the island were receiving um, they weren't receiving the sacraments and the clergy and the clare side didn't have any time for them <laughs> that he immediately uh, uh, turned his boat uh, and sailed in here to Belly Longford and put them in the charge of the under the charge of the parish priest of Belly Longford. Oh, here we're standing at Saint Sinan's Well, and it's magnificent, so, isn't it? Not alone magnificent; it's the only water supply for the entire island.
St. Sennan's Holy Well on Scattery Island is regarded as a holy place, and it always gets a large gathering on Pattern Day. Historian Sean Spellacy. Pattern here, quite actually on this day week, there was a major, or last Monday there was a major gathering here. This was August, the beginning of August. The August yeah. week, Monday of the August weekend, yeah. Bishop Willie Walsh was out here saying Mass. Yes. There was quite a major gathering here. But you can St. Sinan's yes. birthday itself is the 8th of March, but sometimes it's so wild out here on the 8th of March, you wouldn't get very many people other than descendants of some of the islanders coming here. And from the 9th century, the Vikings arrived on Scattery Island. The oldest linkage, of course, goes back to the Vikings. The Vikings of Limerick used this very much as a secondary base. Now, the Vikings came here, some, they had landed in Limerick in 812, they'd walled in the city by 922. Here they had landed from about the middle of the 9th century, and they kept coming. Eventually, Ivor, the former king, Viking king of Limerick, resettled here. In 1977, when Brian Baru was waging war on the Vikings, he slaughtered the Vikings and the monks alike on this island. Mm-hmm. He didn't differentiate between them because he considered possibly the monks here were tainted, and he needed a war chest to continue to fight with those in Limerick. Because from 969, from 972 onwards, he had actually extorted a ransom from the Vikings of Limerick. They paid him 11,320 gallons of wine a year to stay in business. Again, there were political animals like the O'Briens. They were second only to the O'Briens in power in Thomond or North Monster. And the funny thing about it, when you go looking more closely into it, they had married into the O'Donovans of Mungret. They imported the patron saint, or the god of Mungret, into their city of Limerick, now was St. Munchen. And the stories of St. Munchen are also rife in Ennis, because the stories of St. Munchen were brought into Ennis by uh, Catholic merchants who were not allowed to live in a walled city. So the Catholic merchants went to Ennis in Cromwellian times. So basically, you come back to Scattery at all times. This should have been a city like Limerick. But for Brian Baru and some of the Normans, under William Howell, the Normans devastated this place as well in the 11th century. Sorry, the 12th century. And the Vikings of Limerick reclaimed it on several occasions. We'll continue walking because we're quite near the Round Tower and We the are, cathedral. we can head down towards it. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings actually used it as a watchtower on the Shannon because they had a habit of adapting everything that they could use. Now we're going through this, this is what it's they call the entrance to the here. or the stone edifice. It's called what? The Dovliog, it's an old Irish term for a stone edifice of some kind. Yes. And at one stage, the fort, or the... Round Tower here and the church and the monastic cells would have been surrounded by a large wall. And how high is it? It's supposed to be 120 feet. I rather doubt it myself. I'd say maybe 95 feet at the most. But if you walk in through the door here, you'll be able to look up and see where there are at least five stories there. But usually uh, the door in a round tower was, was off oh, the ground. Oh, it was at least 20 feet yeah. up. And why is it on the ground here? Uh, mainly because it had been struck by lightning at some stage and it may have been readapted by the Vikings themselves. The area here was associated also with the Cain family who were landlords. One of them, Marcus Cain, who is remembered more as a proselytizer in folklore, 
proselytizer during the famine times, but he was also the author of a book on the Round Towers of Ireland. You can see as when we go out where you have four openings on the top from which people rang a bell at different stages. Yes. And there was some you can see where you had different floors here at different times. There was some mention of that bell. Was that bell? Oh, that was the St. Sinan's bell was found, but it was sold by Marcus Keane. Yes. And this one was as much a shrine as anything else. Now from here we're heading in towards the cathedral, and as you go towards it you'll notice that we're entering through a trabiate doorway, which is really something that belongs to the 8th century. The church here is a blend of styles and different features over a long period. I'm not even sure what the decoration here was, but it seems to have been inscribed at some time or other. On either side of us, to the left or right, you have ante. These would be a hangover from the days when you had wooden buildings or wooden huts, and the stones themselves are coming out in much the same way as beams would have projected. Okay, we'll, we'll go through the entrance here. Yeah. Now we're moving over again towards St. Sinan's Temple. And if you look here, you'll see this part was probably an addition that went on at a very much later stage. Yeah. But that's a building that has been used and reused time again. Even some of the carved stone you're looking at up there is of a different type. Yes. It came out of an older church. There was a lot of myth, legend and folklore associated with St. Sennan, told here by Sean Spellacy. Basically there are quite a few stories relating to him, but he seems to have been born in Mylach, but is remembered mainly in hagiography, myth and folklore. His mother went into a wood and picked a twig in the middle of winter and it blossomed immediately, so people assumed she was going to be the mother of a saint. Sinan himself was like many of the other kids of his time. I suppose you could call him, I suppose, of Iron Age warrior stock as much as anything else. Cattle raiding was a way of life with these people. And Sinan was captured on a cattle raid over towards the Loop Head side. He was thrown into a hut which went on fire but he escaped unharmed, so people figured he must have had a different destiny. At another period, crossing Polnashari Bay, I suppose after another cattle raid, he prayed to the new god that he'd heard of, and the waters of Polnashari Bay are said to have opened, and he was able to drive his cattle across. <laughs> yes. you know? So yes. basically, yeah. he was a major figure in almost every respect. I'm moving to the part of the island where the 19th century river pilots and their families settled. Sean, will we head towards the, the little village? So We'll head up towards the little post office. I keep calling it the post office because... Why is that? Basically, the post office box is still inserted into the wall, even though the McMahons were the last family to leave the village here in 1978. We passed Bobby McMahon's grave inside there. Yeah. Bobby could never really settle in Kappa. Every evening he'd come out and stand at the river wall looking across where he was born and reared. That's the house there. Now that house, that was my house. Don Scanlon and his wife May were both islanders and brought up on Scattery in the 1940s and 50s. And the key is quite beside us. That was my house. and uh, The lovely thatch. The oh, beautiful thatch. It was kept thatched every year, you know. And it was like repairing. Uh, if it needed repairs, like you might need heels on your shoe, it was the same with the house. You could notice one part of it maybe getting a kind of ragged and needing repairs. 
So we had our own straw. We set wheat every year, and that was what it was sown particularly for, to have the straw for repairing the uh, roofs of the houses, the thatch. And what, what is the small little bohan or... Oh, that's what we today call uh, the, our granny flat. Mm-hmm. In my days, that was a cabin. A cabin. And my great, my grandfather and his wife moved into that when my father got married. My goodness. And yeah. there was one of them in every house, and they were called cabins, not granny flats. Mm-hmm. But today, they have granny flats. <laughs> and see this wee one here yeah. at the very end? That's where we kept the pigs. We always had two pigs in every house. Oh, yes. Yes, oh, of yeah. course. Yeah. And we had one for selling and the other for uh, our own for eating. So in the village, uh, every one of the, the houses had, had their own little pigsty. Oh, they had, yeah. And they had their own little they, cabin. They had, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Don Scanlon's great-great-grandfather was one of the first river pilots to settle on Scattery Island. And Don's wife, May Brennan, her great-great-grandfather, was another settler who settled on the island. In the beginning, like, there was, a, there was, there was nobody on Scathry. And these three pilots, they rescued a, a, a ship that was in distress and was drifting into Kilbaha Bay. So they went out in their canoe and they got a rope on board her and they towed her in around Kilcredan Head to the sanctuary of Carrigaholt. Mm-hmm. And they got uh, they, they got 30 pounds each, the three of them, for the rescue. And they, then with that money, they went to Scathry and to Marcus Kane. He was the assistant, I suppose you would have to call him the assistant landlord of West Clare. Because uh, I think the the real landlord was 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 Vandalur. but he owned at Scathry at the time, and they asked him, could they come to the island, the three men that rescued the the the, the boat, and they offered him the thirty pound each, the ninety pound, and uh, he accepted it, and yeah. they came there as three as herdsmen. Because he had sheep on the island, you see, and they asked him, "Could they come and be uh, herdsmen?" So that was the beginning the of it, wasn't that it? That was the beginning. That was Scanlon. That was my great grandfather, and uh, Brennan, and that was her great grandfather, and McMahon. They were the first three on Scathry Island. That was in the year eighteen forty-two, and my my grandfather was just three years when he father brought him to Scathry. My, my grandfather, yeah. And then he was known as Old Foss as years went on. So when he grew up and, and he was old enough... Oh, when he grew up, then I suppose he was only about 14 or 15 off to sea. Straight off to oh, sea? Oh, straight off to sea. And in them days, like, uh, there was nothing else, only sailing boats, schooners. And they were all small, like the schooners. They were all small. The biggest would be about 750 tons. Mm. Your own father was a... He was a pilot. He was a pilot, and he used to uh, direct boats up up the... Uh, That's correct, yeah. It was a tough life, wasn't well, it? Well, it was Don, tough. Wasn't it? 
it was, but it was, but uh, in those days it wasn't considered a tough life. Like um, that was the way of living. You know, whatever your job was, you were happy with it. And and during there, during these younger um, years, my my father was at sea uh, under sail. There was no uh, motor ships or steamships in those days. It was sail. And and later he took over uh, the occupation of uh, forty years uh, piloting, and he piloted uh, the boats to the many ports along the estuary. Uh, in those years, before and at the beginning of the 20th century, the ports on the Shannon were many. Carrigahold, Ballylongford, Cappy, Kilroth, Talbot, Kiladyset, Labashid and Clare Castle, apart from Limerick and Fines. There were, of course, all small schooners from yes. 250 tonnes to 450 tonnes. Bring, bringing those boats up, up along the uh, the Shannon, that, that, that must have been... Uh, or oh, 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 it was, it was under sail, like, it might take them, uh, it could take a week to get from Scatley to Limerick, mm-hmm. because uh, there'd be no wind, maybe, and they just uh, went with the tide, they went up so far with the flood tide, maybe 10 miles, and then they might have to come back five in the ebb tide. Yes. So that's if there was no wind, but if there was wind, they went up in a couple of hours. Navigating that 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 river was something terrible. Oh, it was it yeah. was, was a very hard river to navigate. I, I I'd say that you were. Um, it's a uh, forty miles navi- uh, pilotage. Is it forty miles? Forty yeah, miles, yeah, from from Kilcredan Point to Limerick. How many people in the village growing up can you remember when you were growing up? How many? How many people oh, were in the village? Oh, there was a, there, there was a, there there was between forty and fifty going to school, school children. So it was well populated. Oh, then. it was, yeah. Well, there was a big population in every house. In in, in my wife's uh, family, there there was a, there was a. May, how many children in in your family? There was a twelve. How many how many children in your uh, family? Eight boys and four girls. And how many in yours? Nine. Yeah. Five boys and six boys and two girls. So there was there was a lot of children in in all of these houses. Oh, there was every house you see. There was a, there was a few houses with a small family, maybe uh, Melikins now the big forest house in the lake. They only well they had three in family. But every other house had seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven. Her next door neighbour was the McMahons. Now there was twelve in that house right. as well. So and they were all growing up at the same time. So in two houses alone you had twenty-four, and if you add in the parents you have twenty-eight, and if you added in the grandfathers and the grandmothers you were up to thirty-two. <laughs> That's only two. So Don, here in your own house, uh, you were telling me about the sleeping quarters. Uh, you you had an old settle in the house. Oh yes, there was a there was a settle bed in every house uh, on the island. It was called a settle bed. And and what about uh, you know the space? I I can see that there were probably uh, a large room and maybe two other rooms. Is that right? Or would, would there be three rooms in the house? That's that's correct. In some houses there was three, but in our particular house there was two, one and two, and then there was a garret. 
Tell me what a garret is. Well, a garret is an upstairs today. Like a loft? Oh, like a loft, yeah, the very same, and a big uh, double bed in, in it. And and we had the settle bed in down on on the, on, on the floor, on, on the kitchen usually. And it acted as a seat during, by day. When you closed it, it was a, like a forum. And then we had two more bedrooms, one at one end of the house, the other at the other end. Were they comfortable? Oh, they were very comfortable, especially the settle bed. You'd sleep forever. <laughs> <laughs> and warm, oh, very warm. But the houses all were, were warm, like, at all times. Were they? Oh, yeah, they were, yes. yes. And there was never a front door closed on Scattery Island. The front door was the first thing that was opened every morning, and it wasn't closed until the rosary that night. Wasn't that lovely? Yeah, it was, yeah, yes. Yeah. Now, you, if the door was opened, you wouldn't know. You, you couldn't understand it. And the people on the island, did they all get on with each other? Oh, they did. There was never, oh, Christ, there was never, there was never a word. Yeah. Oh, never a word. We were like brothers and sisters. Yeah. Oh, there was no, there was never a, a, a policeman on Scathry Island. Never had to call in there. Never a court case. Is no that... dispute of any kind, class or creed. When you were working uh, on the land, did you have... Uh, uh, you know, the crops, you were telling me the land was luscious and that you got great crops from the land oh, out there. I'd, I'd say it was the most fertile land in, in Munster. Yeah. And tell me it about... It was outstanding. Yeah. In the month of June, the hay would be about uh, three feet high and as thick. Would it now? Oh, cripes, it was as thick. Yeah. And it had to be cut in June. Otherwise, it would lie down and get all passed, and you wouldn't be able to mow it with the sigh. It was all sigh work. Now, every house had uh, about uh, three acres of, of, of hay, and it used to take a fortnight to cut it and save it. And when there was three houses, Dean Harris, uh, uh, Brennan's and Griffin's, they had 22 acres of land, whereas the rest of the island they had nine acres each. But in those three houses, they um, they kept the island bull, and that's why they were allotted more land than the others. There was a department bull coming to the island every uh, second year. And how many cattle uh, were oh, in, I, in, with I, each farm? Well, there was three. There was three. Well, I'd say roughly about fifty, fifty milking cows. All together. Oh, all together, yeah, yes. But, but individually, they'd, they'd have about three each, is it? Oh, oh, three cows each, yes. So three cows in every house, yeah, yeah three. They were left the same amount of land. And Don describes the landscape on the 180-acre island. The, the island the island is low, as you know, by even looking at it. There is no hills on it. So it's low, and it had to be kept drained. And that was... Uh, a job like that we'd be doing in the winter time was uh, opening the drains, and those that had be, that were there, we cleaned in, so as the water would be flowing from the from the fields, you know, and and and, and uh, it was all drained from one end of the island to the other. You had a lake on the island, hadn't you? Oh, we had, yes. We had the lake, yeah. Well, the tide like used to come in off the Shannon, the flood tide. And it came in what we call the Gullaheen. The Gullaheen. The Gullaheen. And that's a little passage, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little passage, yes. Yeah, yeah. That let the water in. Yeah. 
and and it would it would fill up the lake to normally like there was a small lake there but when the tide came in it uh, swelled up to maybe 10 or 11 acres and at places it would be six feet deep would there be fish now in this oh the the mullet sole and fluke the mother three principal fish and in the lake and did did you go off fishing? We did, them? but no. When the tide starts to go out the Gullaheen, then the fish went out with it again. <laughs> you well, see, they followed the they followed the the stream. Yeah. It was an awful force of water going out the Gullaheen. It wasn't just a little stream. Oh God's sake! No, there was hundreds of thousands of tons would go out. My God! And the lake would reduce down to its normal six inches then. But there was one type of fish, and they never left the lake. They left it all right, but there were so many always there. And they were a fluke. And how would you catch the fluke? Well, we went out uh, with no, no, no shoes. Nobody ever wore shoes in Scaffrey Island from March until November. So we used to go out in the lake with a, with a hay fork. There might be half a dozen of us, maybe a dozen, all situated all around the lake out and standing up like a stork. And I wouldn't move. Mm. Standing up and, and watching down, looking down, and you'd see the flu coming, inquisitive, and he'd, he'd come to your legs like, if you let him, but you'd spear him with, with, with the hay fork, provided you were very fast. You'd have to even be faster than him, and we were that used to it. We could always get maybe half a dozen. They're beautiful fish. They're as big as a, they're as big as a, <coughs> as a dinner plate, as, as a side plate. So there's plenty of eating in it. Oh, plenty of eating, and there's no there's no cleaning. Yeah. There's only one gut in a, in a fluke, and you you take that out, and you you cook the head and all. Do you, you don't know. cut the head off from at all. You cook the head. You fry them in the pan. Oh, they're beautiful. And I suppose you use the seaweed for manure. With oh, we did. Yes, we did. We did. We used the seaweed. Well, well, the seaweed we we didn't use uh, so much of it as they would in other places and do in other places. No, we used it for the cabbage in particular and the turnips, but we never used it for the potatoes because it only uh, clogs up the ground and makes the earth heavy. And you're very, very poor potatoes. But it was great for the cabbage and, and the turnips and carrots and parsnip. And tell me, did you have horses pulling? Oh, the, the Christ, no, there was never a, a horse in Scatter. There was a pony once. Hales had a pony. And, and they had a rhyme on him. Here comes George's pony, his day's work is done. He rides through the meadow, his heart's full of fun. <laughs> this is lovely. <laughs> But what, what, how would you pull the plough then? Donkeys, the donkeys. Oh, I see. Oh, Cripes, Das was, was, das was our, our main man on the island. It was all donkey work. And we had little less cars as well for taking the hay in from the meadows. Yeah. And what were the jobs the women had on the island? Don explains. Well, the women were as good as the men. The women used to go to Kilroch on their own. It was, you take no notice of a canoe... You just know that uh, they were women or they were men. It was Roner. It made no difference. The women were as good as the men. So like when the pilots were away, the woman was head of the house and she made a great job of it, sure. 
and the island children used to collect the carrigan moss that grew on the rocks. And our mothers were great at coconut. They knew how to do it, you see. Mm. Like uh, ordinary, you could just boil it and 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 uh, and and drink it. And uh, but they used to do it in milk, and they'd leave it set overnight, a bowl of it, and mm. it would be it would be like like jelly next next morning. It would be just beautiful. You cut it in, and put it into into your plate. Yeah. was grand. Put a bit of cream with it. Yeah, and I'm sure you remember the the burning of the kelp as well. Do you? No, well, well, no, Morris. Mm. We 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 didn't burn. We never burned kelp. Did you not? Know no, no. Burned? Well, what would you call the sea? That's the sea rods. Yes. Oh no, we never we never burned anything. No, the sea rods. We put that we put that on the on on, on the on the cabbage, and the turnip. Great for growing them. That's the sea rods. Mm-hmm. Is that what you call it, sea rods? Well, that's what we call it. Well, we used to call it the proper yeah. name for that is a fion. Fion, isn't it? Fion, fion, yes. Tell me, Don, what what about the peri- periwinkles around the beach? Would you go, oh, yes. go looking for those too? Oh, Jesus, we did, yeah. Oh, the periwinkle. That, that, that was a trade in itself, like the periwinkle. We made our livelihood out of the periwinkles during the war years. We didn't touch them before that, or we didn't touch them after, but they were used in the war years, you see. They were roughly a measure. A measure would be a, a bit more than... A, Oh, to be a bit more than than than, than a, about a book and a half, mm-hmm. eighteen shillings a measure, and mm-hmm. you'd have about uh, well, well, you'd have about twenty one uh, twenty one measures for the week's picking. Wasn't that good going? Oh, that was great going. Yeah. But everybody in the house was, was, was picking, you see. It wasn't just one or two. Everybody, well, except our fathers, they had something else to do. They had the, the shipping to keep denying the shipping. But there was no shipping during the war. But still, they never picked the winkers. But our mothers did. And we'd go off from the Curragh in the morning and we'd go out on the Shannon. We'd go to Quern or maybe Bruce Bridge. Or maybe hog, but we never went over on the Kerry side, and uh, we get great winkles. I just full of winkles on the island where I'm all picked. Did you? In no time. Well, let's just see the yeah. beach was so small, yeah. but there were beautiful winkles on Scatry. But then we went further afield from gallon bucket and a half, but about three gallon, like, and that was a measure. But we used to be picking them, you see. And uh, you'd bring him out every Wednesday to Kilrush. And there was a man outside in, in Kilrush. He used to uh, he used to send him away like he was a kind of agent, that, especially during the war years, because they were needed for the troops, mm-hmm. you know, and the prisoners of war. And the religious practices on Scattery Island and the visit of the parish priest and his curate used to come to the island uh, twice a year in March and October the canon and two priests from Kilrush now the island boys would go out to Kilrush and bring them in in the canoe well weather permitting but there was such good uh, minute handling a canoe that the missions never had to be the stations never had to be postponed 
But they went out and they brought them in. And uh, we had man, no, in the school. They had mass in the school. Mm-hmm. And everybody received. And, uh, well, that was about it. And they had, then they, there was what we called, we called now what the stifens, the cannon, called out every head of the house, they got out their name. And they went up to the cannon and he gave him an envelope with a few bob in it. Five mm. bob, maybe, or half a crown. There was an awful lot of money in. Yeah. You know? My goodness, yeah, yeah. And then they would have, after the mish, after the, the stations, the, well, one of them would go around to the island to the few people that were on it that were uh, sick in infirm. You know, they couldn't come. And then after that, then they had their breakfast. And they used to be delighted with the breakfast they used to get. Four or five of the women from the island used to cook the breakfast, and it was always fish. It was salmon in the in in the march uh, for the march station. I bet you and the priest it, enjoyed that. <laughs> it, oh, they, oh, they did. They loved yeah. it. It was pollock, white pollock, for the for the autumn, yeah. for the autumn uh, station. It was to have a big dinner, big 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 breakfast. Mm. And who were the people visiting Scattery Island long before tourists arrived? The visitors that used to come to Scattery were our relations from Carrigaholt and from Quern and from Reha and from Kilbeha. See, that was where we originated from. So our relations, and still today, our relations are in West Clare. Mm-hmm. And they used to come in the summer. They used to come and help with the saving of the hay. And indeed, they often came and did, uh, did, 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 did digging out the spuds, the potatoes. But then there was one fellow who used to come as well. He was a great musician. You might have heard of him. John Kelly. Mm-hmm. He's oh, a relation yes. of my wife. He'd be a second cousin of hers. John mm-hmm. Kelly from Reha. He was a, a great um, a fiddle player. But he used to be on RT then. But the... The island has such a, a very interesting uh, holy well, and it has the the Saint Sennan's Saint well, Sennan's yeah. well, and you have the round tower the, the and steeple, you have the yeah. steeple is wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Yeah, and, and did you have, and you have the ruins of the church? Oh, you, have, you have the ruins of five churches, mm-hmm. but they, they they say that there was seven, but I, I never seen anything like seven. Yeah. And and uh, five, there was five definitely, and. They were well. One of them was a cathedral beside the Round Tower. Got it is a beautiful, uh, beautiful structure. And the means of transport was the curragh, sometimes called a canoe. The curragh was our motor car. It was. It we was. had no other. Like, we had no no other means of transport. But we had. Uh, there was three canoes in every house. There was a four man, a three man, and a two man. Now the foreman would be would take heavy loads into the island, maybe cement, if you were building something, mm-hmm. or something or timber. Now that would be the foreman's job, foreman canoe. Then there was the three man. She was for general work, for bringing in turf, and uh, usually for a. Uh, like she was used every week, say Wednesday, for bringing the butter out to kill rush and the eggs for sale and uh, bringing in the, the the foodstuffs that were needed for the week, tea and sugar and 
bread and flour and whatever else. But that was that was that Kinnor's job, the three man. And the reason for that was you needed as many as possible on her for uh, to row her back into the island. You know. So then there was the two man canoe. Now she was she was our motor car. <laughs> now she was for quick uh, quick run to Kilroach to post the letter. <laughs> so it was good and fast. Oh, it was good and fast. Twelve minutes exactly. It we timed it. Myself, My myself, and somebody else. Myself and a brother. My brother Paddy. We got a new a new two man. You know, she lovely little boat. And we timed ourselves from the time we left Scatry until we arrived at Capapier. Twelve minutes. Oh, how many? You were going very quickly. Uh, well, it was yeah, it yeah. was uh, about a mile and a half. Yeah, yeah. And the islanders kept in touch with the Kerry coast and sometimes they would travel over across the mouth of the Shannon to Ballylongford and to Beale. Uh, would you ever find your way over to Ballylongford? Oh Did yes. Did you go that way too? Oh God yes. Oh Christ yes. And the Sundays. Uh, what was going on over there? Well there would be nothing. Just walking around and looking at the queer people and, <laughs> and that. The Kerry people. Yeah the Kerry people. Yeah that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and they had two great footballers, the Welches. Yeah. Johnny Welch and I did forget the other fellow's name. We yeah. might see them and so that was out of this world to see him. And he used to come to the island. Did yes, they came across the scattering several times. Did they, did they, they did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was a Kerry man took the cattle out of the Scattery to the mainland. He was a big yes. He had a boat, a big boat. She was eight. Now, well, she would be about 80 tons, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, the cattle were all sold, as I told you in the beginning, in March, and they were taken out to Kilroach. Well, they used to get in contact with Mick Hayes, and he'd come to the island in his big sailboat, and he'd spend two days taking the cattle to Kilroach. I think it, it was a you, you, you're building up a lovely picture. It must have been mm. a, a time when, and 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 then another thing when the dancing, the dancing every uh, uh, Saturday night in particular. Well, they got to know about that in Bale. Yeah, oh, so you had the Bale people coming over. <laughs> we had especially no one can know. You start with three men. You'd see them on a Saturday coming to Kilroach. And that would be about 12 or 1 o'clock in the day. And they do whatever they had to do in Kilroach, I suppose, just drink, that was all. But when the dancing would be on that night, maybe 19 or 11 o'clock, they'd yeah. arrive in yeah. into the house where the dancing was, and they were as welcome as the flowers in May. Of and they'd be were, dancing they, they were there. different, you see. Yes, they were different, <laughs> and they'd be dancing till morning. <laughs> the bay lads, but... It would have been dangerous crossing over to Bale. Oh, I'd say, know, yeah, the night, season must so. have been, yeah, yeah extremely well, rough, apart yeah. from the season, I never know the season, the Shannon. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's landlocked. And to find out more about the connections between the North Kerry side and Scattery Island, I visited Beale and met Thomas Donovan and Liam Hannon. And they both told me the common interest and the connection with Scattery Island. They used to take the heavens to Scatry for Salton. There was a big oh, did they know Salton yeah. place yeah. Yeah, in, yes. in 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 Scatry. It was a long season. They started fishing for salmon the first of February, and they probably finished with the heavens 
and the mackerel late September. So I would have all mm. the, the hay time, all the important the farm yeah. times. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be possible to run a good sized farm with the and fish as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. Yeah. You see the fish, people forget because we remember the salmon, yeah. but the herons was very big. Bilbao herons was a, a, a name in the Dublin market. There oh, was yeah. that many herons caught here. You know, the boats caught a thousand herons or maybe until the boat was full. Yeah, that was, that was supposed to be the finest herons yeah. of, of all. There was bare bare herons. That was the cream of, of the herons. Like the salmon, you see, they were just after coming in. There was no pollution, there was no. nothing in the river, they were no. in the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. It was night fishing, wasn't it? Uh, herring, yes. herring was yeah, night yeah, fishing. Yeah. Do you recall the, the boats out at night time? Yeah. Do you I just barely remember the end of the herring fishing. Yeah. Um, I remember, no, I can't, I can't place. Yeah. Um, they go off in the evening. Mm -hmm. They go off in the evening. They used to cook. Hmm? They, they used to cook. They take, oh, yeah, yeah, take they a pot with them, or a stone in the bottom. In the, um, the corrug is yeah. made of tarred, like this very dear. Yeah. But, well, we've come to the end of this podcast on Scattery Island. If you enjoyed listening to the voices that you've heard, the full-length interviews are available on irishlifeandlore.com. My name is Maurice O'Keefe, and I look forward to bringing you another podcast next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.